My name is Pete Tooley. Uh, I've been here at the church for oh, probably about five years now. Um, but you guys get the, the pleasure of the first time I get to teach anything here. So it's been a while. So uh, yeah, might be a little rusty. Um, I was thinking back, I was like, when was the last time I taught something to a group of people? And I was like, that was when I was teaching high school and that was 12 years ago. And so um, <clears throat> looking forward to it. Um, I don't teach high school anymore, uh, but I teach one-on-one in my daily life uh, as a physical therapist. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this and hopefully knocking off some of the rust from uh, before. So uh, today we're going to be studying Abraham, um, which is a lot of fun to take a deep dive into this. Um, when Jason asked me to, to do this, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get you know someone that you know doesn't have too much of the Bible dedicated to them, pretty condensed, pretty, pre- pretty easy, pretty uh, uh, compact. And then I look and it's Abraham. I'm like, oh, got the whole Bible to cover here. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully what, uh, <coughs> what I learned from this will be edifying to you and uh, we'll learn something new today. Um, so let's open up in prayer and uh, then we'll get started. Dearly Father, um, Lord, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for all that you've given to us, um, for your sovereignty, Lord, that um, long ago you set a plan into motion uh, to save us, Lord, and um, just how sweet that is. And Lord, we just ask that uh, you would just give us the faith to see that and to believe that, Lord, and, and to help us. And we ask you this morning, and help, ask me for me, Lord, to help me as I uh, teach on Abraham and uh, the, the one you chose to, uh, to bring us back to you um, through Christ and to start that all. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So when you think of Abraham, uh, what comes to mind? Exactly. <laughs> and I thought we should have do a nice rendition of this. And then I realized all the appendages we'd have to get going. And, you know. Yeah. All right. Wow. That, thank you. I brought that up with some people younger than me at a coffee shop yesterday who go to this church. And they just looked at me with dead stares. And I was like, you've never heard of Father Abraham, the song? They're like, no. And uh, so, yeah, ask Shannon Kamoli if uh, she's ever heard of Father Abraham before, and, uh, but, because um, they gave me a joke, uh, she and Madeline Malone gave me a joke, they're like, who's the smartest person in the Bible, and I was like, I don't know, they're like, Abraham, I was like, why, he knows a lot, and uh, they're like, you should use that, I was like, I shouldn't, but we'll see, <laughs> but I did, just for them, so, um, but other than the song, what, uh, when you think of Abraham, what comes to mind? Exactly. What comes to mind? What was that? Promise. Promise. Good. What else? Many signs. Many signs. Okay. What else? Any others? Probably isn't of relevance necessarily to this class, or maybe this, but uh, just think of how many religions claim him as kind of like the mm. founder of, of their faith in some, in some way. Yeah. 
Fine. Ooh, spelling. Any others? Came up with chosen. Um, another one that came to mind was for me was righteous. Um, and the last one I thought it was believed. So a bunch of different things here. And hopefully as we walk through uh, him and his life, we'll see how these come to fruition. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear you. He's talking about like the Abram, the, the M1 Abram uh, army tanks. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. How his name has influenced the name. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's, it's influenced our world, right? You know, through different religions, through that. Um, and, and we see that where we meet Abram, Abraham, I'm just going to refer to him as Abraham the whole time. Um, but where we, where we meet Abraham is uh, in Genesis 11, but we see him through the entire Bible, right? Um, he's mentioned as Abram 58 times in 47 verses. He's mentioned as Abraham 239 times in 20 verses. Um, we see him in Genesis 11 all the way through the New Testament. Um, so who is Abraham? Where does he come from? Er, yes, Genesis eleven twenty-seven through 31. Um, we see, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of the, his kindred, and Ur, the Chaldeans. Um, so he's from Ur, uh, Mesopotamia. He's a son of Terah, uh, descended from Shem, from Noah. Um, and when... We know him as Abram at the beginning, but his name is changed, which we'll see later on. Um, what does Abraham mean? Jocelyn, you said it already. Friend of, God. Friend of God. Exactly. So if we go to, if you look at Isaiah 41, 8, you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read it, but it says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, who I've chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Um, yeah, so Abraham is is regarded and uh, referred to and his name means friend of God and um, in preparing this I and not only using the Bible but read um, a book that uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, wrote he has a chapter on Abraham in his book the gospel in Genesis and uh, he said that in this in a sense this establishes what we are to be what are, we are to be called which is friends of God that we are to live the same life um, that we will see Abraham live to be set apart um, and that Abraham exemplifies what it, it is to be a noble, noble, faithful, loved man who walked and lived in the presence of God. Um, so, so that's who, we, who he is, where he's from. Um, and we're going to start just going through his life um, and just seeing uh, what led him, um, how God led him and whatnot. But before we do that, I want to just set up the context of what's happening in the Bible. So previous to meeting Abraham, we have 11 chapters um, of, of things that have happened so far. So at the beginning we've, of Genesis, we've got creation and God created th all things and they were good. And then Adam and Eve came in 
and, and were created and were in the garden and in one act disobeyed God and brought sin into the world, um, which then brought God's judgment and punishment to them, which they were cast from Eden and separated from God, experiencing hardship and the world became so evil by Noah's time that the Lord announces and again brings judgment on the earth and destroys the earth, preserving only eight. Um, and this punishment, again, is given to make the truth clear to humanity of who God was. But there's a new beginning, and this is short-lived. Again, mankind falls into this love of the world and themselves. Um, they all gather together, be a civilization, to build a great city, to make a name for themselves without any regard to God. Um, or, and became just independent of God in all respects. In Genesis 11, four, uh, verses 4 through 5, um, at the Tower of Babel, we see, uh, let me see. They said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And so the people at the time just fell back into their love of the world, into the love of, of their evil ways, um, with no respect or regard for the Lord or reverence for the Lord. Um, and so again, God visits the people with judgment and disperses them uh, across, across the world. And so we see that three times now God's given us, as humanity, a chance to follow and obey him, and has, we've failed. And so at this point, God decides to do something new because um, yeah, we've broken, broken our relationship with him. And he's been patient in this, giving us three times. Um, but uh, we, again, have turned away from the Lord and turned to the evil of the, wor- of the world instead. So that's where Abram, Abraham enters in. Um, after uh, the people who have been worshiping other gods have been dispersed, um, comes from this people that are worshiping other gods that don't have much regard for the Lord. Um, so he comes from a, a, a pagan, a pagan people, and so um, and God is about to do something new through him. Um, so we see that humanity fails three times. God is about to announce something different. He chooses a new way for us. God is going to create a people of and for himself. And he's going to use Abraham to do this. Um, And we're going to be called to live a life like Abraham so that we can be friends of God. Um, And so that's hopefully what we'll see. So what starts, so we're in chapter 12 here. Let's just read, would someone read 12, 1 through 3 for us? Awesome. Um, so what is God asking of Abram? So the Lord comes to Abram. What's he asking of him? Go. Go. Yeah. From where? Your country. Country. What else? Father's house. Kindred. All right. He's asking him to go. Really from everything. Right? Everything that he knows, everything that's familiar to him. God's saying, pick up and leave. Leave this place, this you know, land that you've been in that has no regard for me, and come and follow and follow me. Um, the whole life that he knew, 
He's asking to, him to leave. What's hard about that? What would be hard about that for any of us, for you guys? Depends if you like your family. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know where he's going. Right? Doesn't know where he's going. He's leaving everything that's familiar to him. Mm-hmm. Leaving any safety or security he is at home. Yeah. He's comfortable, right? He's probably comfortable where he's at. And God's saying, no, go. But what is God also saying here in these first few verses of chapter 12? Basically, like, it'll be worth it once he leaves. Like, I'm going to bless you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't got to worry about you don't have a spot because I'm going to make it good. Yeah. Also, that he's going to be, he's going to be with him. Like, so he's out. He's going to show him where to go. So he's calling him to step into faith and go into the unfamiliar. But it's there's also a sense in which his his presence is going to be there. He's going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you hit on it. And he's he's asking him to do this in faith, right? Abraham has no proof of anything. All he has here is God's word that um, he's going to make him a great nation. That he's going to show him this. Um, but he also has the assurance of God that he, God says he's going to show him. Um, and he's going to make him a blessing uh, so that he'll be a blessing. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, but we see here that Abraham acts, right? He goes in verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, their possessions, and all they had gathered. And the people they had acquired in Haran, they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At the time of the Canaanites, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent, and Bethel was on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Um, Forgive any of my pronunciations. I'm from Ohio. (laughs) We say everything very literally how we see it. So, Uh, (laughs) um, yeah, so Abraham... He, he leaps. He acts. Um, he, he believed God. If we look at Galatians, me, I've got it here. Chapter 3, verses 6. It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then as those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, for serving God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel before Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. But he believed God. He acted with nothing uh, nothing to, to be able to prove it um, other than God's word. Um, and he acted. Um, and so we see that uh, he believed God and we see uh, the faith that he is going to have throughout his life. What do we see of God's promise to him here in the beginning of verse 12? 
And what do we see Abraham exhibiting already for us? I said one of it, faith. What's his response to the Lord? Obedience. Obedience, yeah, good. We also see him responding to a call to a new life. Um, and just kind of a model of, of repentance in that, right? Where he, in, in Joshua 24, um, it says, This says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and, Nah and of Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through the, all the land of Canaan and made, him, made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. But again, in Joshua, he, he refers back to they were serving other gods. They were, they were not following the Lord. Um, and, and the Lord calls Abram, and Abram responds. There's an actual response where he comes out of that pagan land uh, to follow the Lord in faith. So um, I think we're starting to see, you know, little bits of what we've, we've set up here. Um, but yeah, he's coming out into a new life. And we're kind of see shadows of, uh, of what is to come. This is some sort of worship there as well, right? The, he's building an altar to mm -hmm. Yahweh, you know, even in using that the, the name of Yahweh, the name of God, and having some sort of an altar and honoring Him, and you know, yeah, out of that polytheistic thing that you were talking about into a worship of one God. Yeah, and going from a a land where they had no reverence for God to having reverence for Him in that worship. Um, so we move on through his life here. And um, he comes out of his land, and um, I got on the wrong page here. And they end up in Egypt because of a famine, and so they go to Egypt. And what happens here? What does what does Abram do? Travels to Egypt. Travels to Egypt. But when he gets there, what does he do? What does he ask of his of his wife? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's afraid that because of her beauty that, um, that those in the land will kill him and, and covet her and kill him. Um, he's fearful for his life um, and, uh, and asks her to lie as a result of it. So uh, it's interesting just seeing this. Uh, I guess I hadn't thought about this much before in this regard, but just how um, in this in this action, uh, we just see some doubt in, in Abraham. I was like, is the Lord going to be able to protect him, right? He was just given this promise that I'm going to do all these great things through you. And he goes into a, a different land and you see him um, just with some doubt um, and, and that he's not fully sure. Is the Lord going to be able to protect him um, as, uh, as, as he's in this land? And, and we see the Lord does more than that, right? So, um, the Lord, in this situation, right, um, brings plagues onto Pharaoh, right? He curses Pharaoh. And what's Pharaoh's response? What's Pharaoh's response in it all? We're in chapter 12, 10 through 20 now. It says in the 17, But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. 
So Pharaoh called Abraham and said, what has this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. God kind of uses Pharaoh as his voice of judgment on Abraham almost, like telling him he just was wrong. Hmm. And yeah. even as his form of punishment almost, as mm-hmm. telling him you have to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it shows that Abraham was a man, right? And he wasn't perfect. And, um, and he did fail. And he did have sin. And, um, and that's why Abraham is, you know, that's why we need Jesus, is because Jesus was the one without any sin who, who didn't lie, right? Are you saying that uh, lie would be as an Instagram lie or a path, you know, that you're taking toward truth, you know? Because actually Abraham was married to a half-sister, so was saying kind of a half truth, but I don't know if you're sensing where I'm getting. Uh, I'm not sure. Jason, you have any? I think in the best case scenario, you would say he dealt deceitfully with Pharaoh. Yeah. Because, you know, what I'm trying to convey is that, you know, Abraham was really married to a half-sister within his clan. And he showed one part, but not necessarily the whole truth, but he was still walking the path of truth. So with an Instagram snapshot, you know, if you do an assessment of that situation, it could be seen as a lie. Whereas, you know, if you see the whole story, you know, the full YouTube story, maybe he wasn't really lying. He was walking on the path of righteousness. I don't know. But his motivation is still that he's, He's seeing that there's a certain danger here, and rather than trust God to keep him safe and tell the truth that Sarah is, in addition to being his sister, also his wife, he tells her to lie about that and say that they're not married. And because he's not trusting the Lord to protect them, instead he takes matters into his own hands. I mean, if my husband gave me to somebody else, I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. From her perspective, yeah. like, what are you doing? Go you protect, protect yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And he's... Telling, asking her to lie to protect him in yeah. a sense. Um, putting her in what could be danger. You know. Yeah. Um, but I think what we see here, though, is that the Lord delivers Abraham and Sarah out of Egypt, and um, ultimately, right? Even in even in Abraham uh, not going about things the best of ways, right, um, and and sinning in that, uh, we still see God deliver him, him out of Egypt and provide for him, provide a way out. Um, and so, and, and we'll see that, I mean, this happens again um, later on. So they come out of Egypt, uh, and I, not to, to move on quickly, but I want to kind of get through, get through his life here. Um, they come out of Egypt, and he and Lot 
um, and their men, uh, their men get in disagreement with one another about um, livestock and all the, the things that they have and they're trying to tend. And so uh, they agree to separate. So there isn't any strife between the two. And so uh, Abraham goes into Canaan and Lot went into the more fertile land near Sodom uh, and where there's uh, much evil going on. And, um, and they... And they separate. And after that, in Genesis 13, 14 through 16, the Lord says to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around where you are, if to the north and the south and the east and the west, all the land that you see I will give you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that anyone could count, if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. And so we see uh, this, this promise of land um, coming to Abraham. So then we go from there, and Abraham ends up having to rescue Lot um, after conflict with the kings of the area and uh, being uh, Sodom and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, being taken over, and all the possessions taken, and the provisions. And they also took Lot, the son of the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and all his possessions, and went their way. And so when Abraham, Abram hears about this, he takes his, his men, uh, 318 of them, and went in pursuit, and he um, divided his forces against them by night and defeated them and, uh, and essentially brings back all the possessions in his kinsman Lot. And so after Abraham rescues Lot, um, he encounters Melchizedek, um, which uh, is a whole other thing to bite off here. Um, but Melchizedek, his name means king of righteousness, and um, he's the king of Salem. Salem meaning peace. Um, and early Jerusalem, uh, so thinking early Jerusalem. And we see Melchizedek is um, uh, kind of as a type, a uh, literary type here that has no beginning or no end. We don't see where he comes from or what happens to him. So in, in literary sense, um, eternal. Um, and so we see Melchizedek comes out and, and blesses Abraham. He brings out bread and wine to him and offers him a blessing. And it says, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Um, and Abraham then responds to that and giving, uh, giving him a tenth of everything, tithing to him, receiving the blessing and then tithing to him. And then in contrast to that, um, we see the king of Sodom come to him and uh, said to Abraham, king of Sodom says to Abraham, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I've lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. And so what we see here is kind of a contrast where Melchizedek comes and, uh, and blesses him. And, um, and in that blessing, uh, identifies as God being the most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, um, in control of all things. Um, and we see then Abraham echo that in his response to the king of Sodom. And he emphasizes um, yeah, the, God being the possessor of heaven and earth, the same words that are in the blessing. Um, and Abraham here rejects the king of Sodom and shows his reliance on the Lord, um, not on men, to become a great nation. Um, and so I see, uh, in, especially in contrast to um, 
to what happened in Egypt, we see Abram um, believing and following the Lord and relying on him um, to fulfill his promise. And, um, and he testifies to the Lord's provision for him here. So after this, um, we uh, get into chapter 15 where the Lord comes to Abram in a vision and uh, the covenant is established. So does someone want to read all of 15 for us? Mm-hmm. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, and if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess it. He said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and cut them in two, and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite and the Kenizzite and the Kadmonite, and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Rephaim, and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Girgashite and the Jebusite. Great. Thanks. So what is included in this covenant that the Lord is making with Abraham here? What three things? What three big things? Uh, descendants. Mm-hmm. The land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or blessing, yeah. land, seed, and blessing um, are three things that we see. What do we see about the Lord, about God in this in this passage? Mm-hmm. 
How does Abram describe the Lord? verse 2 and verse 8 it says but abram said sovereign lord um what can you give me since i remain childless and that the one who inherit my estate is the least of damascus and then eight but abram said sovereign lord how can i know that i will gain possession of it um so abraham recognizes that the lord is sovereign um that um he is possessor of heaven and earth that he is in control of all things um, and, and guides all things and um, so I think it's just again interesting to see Abram's recognition of who the Lord is um, in this in verse 3 he also seems to reference God's sovereignty mm-hmm. he specifically says since you have given no offspring to mm-hmm. and I can't decide if he's being like if he's hopeful that God will change that or mm. he's kind of like putting it on him like this is your fault that I don't have offspring mm. I think he sees though that God's in control of that right and, and um, that he is sovereign over that and you know in, in verse 12 uh, or chapter 12 sorry verse 1 through 3 right um, he's, he tells him I'll make you a great nation I'll bless you and make your name great um, and and so there's he's in in verses in verse seven to your offspring I will give this land. So the Lord has has told him he is going to give him offspring, right? And Abraham, I think I think you're right though. He's he's recognizing his sovereignty. He's like, Lord, you have not given me children yet. You have not as as you've said you would give me offspring to be my heir. Um, but what else do we see about Abraham here? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that pointed out that my young brother here was totally right, you know, uh, uh, thinking, uh, putting it to spin with, you know, in the lens of Zechariah 4 6, it is not by my might nor by my power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord, you know. So, you know, Abraham was trying to do, you know, things according to his, you know, fleshly, I guess, you know, human mindset instead of total reliance on God, you know. So, yeah, I think I think that he, you know, in some ways he is probably, you know, getting impatient, right? It's been yeah, it's been, been, been years. Yeah. And, uh, the other thing, you know, uh, about the covenant, you know, would you say that the covenant is similar that to uh, to the Jewish wedding covenant, you know, happening in two steps? Or Are you talking about the um, bringing the the heifer, the goat, and the ram? The pigeon, that or animals, and how do you see that? Because I see this, you know, as a wedding, you know, kind of covenant. You know, like uh, uh, I used to work for the government, and usually you you send the contract out, and the contract comes like me. So um, I mean, for signature. So uh, the, the, you know, I guess when God was talking to Abraham, I guess you know. Uh, it was the first portion of the contract until, you know, his son uh, came in to pray, you know, uh, later down the road and pretty much died on the cross for us. You know, so. mm-hmm. Would you agree? Or, I don't know. I'm just asking. 
mean, any any <clears throat> any similarities you would see to a to a Jewish wedding ceremony are would it would be an interesting observation, and I think what you're noticing there is that the the, the covenantal nature of marriage. What you don't want to do is take later um, cultural norms and read those back into scripture and say, oh, there was a Jewish wedding covenant that did this, so this means this is what's going on in Genesis. I think you have to read it the opposite direction. This is what covenants look like. A wedding is a covenant. That's why that is reflected in weddings. So if you're saying that, then yep. Um, what you don't want to do is take the, the later wedding things and try to read those back into Genesis 15. Does that make sense? Mm, kind of a, you know, if I may say, Yeah, I think, like Jason said, we're 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 seeing here what it looks to like to have a covenant made, right? And and um, the Lord is, you know, making a covenant with Abraham, saying, "This is what I'm promising you." And we're to see, you know, that the promises that the Lord is going to fulfill through the rest of the story. Um. So in verse six, what do we see about Abraham? It says. And he believed the Lord, right? And so, again, we see Abraham's faith coming through. Um, what's our natural way to approach, approach God and things? Is, is it uh, immediately just believe him and be like, all right, Lord, you know, or is that hard? What do you guys, what do you guys think? Natural reaction is probably unbelief. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah kind of trying to do it, things on our own, right? And um, figure out things on our own and not rely and believe what the Lord has promised us um, or believe that he is sovereign overall. Um, but Abraham here, we see that he believes the word of the Lord and he, he does show faith um, and that this covenant is being made with him for land, seed, and blessing. So we go from chapter 15 to chapter 16 and um, Sarah comes to Abraham and uh, and says to him um, that she has her servant Hagar and Sarah says Abraham behold now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children um, go into my servant and it may be that <coughs> yeah, sorry go into my servant it may be that I should obtain children by her and Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah so after Abraham lived 10 years in the land of Canaan uh, Sarah Abraham's wife took Hagar the Egyptian and gave her to Abraham um, her husband his wife So here, we, again, we see, and then um, this ends up in the birth of Ishmael. But uh, almost immediately, right, God just told Abraham, I'm going to give you offspring. Um, I'm promising you offspring. offspring. I'm promising you the seed. 
And um, again, he goes and instead of waiting and, and um, waiting on the Lord to provide that uh, with his wife, Sarah, Sarah comes to him and says, have another wife so you can have a kid. Um, and so, again, it's just another moment where we see um, maybe Abraham doubting, doubting the Lord here or, for, or forgetting the promise or not fully that faith that he believed the Lord um, is, is wavering a bit. And um, instead of waiting, um, goes on to do what they think is best in their own sight and under their own power and not waiting on uh, the sovereignty and the provision of the Lord here. Um, so we move from that and Ishmael is born um, and uh, let's see it says Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born to Abram so then we move into verse or chapter 17 when Abraham was 90 years old and the Lord comes to him and says I am God Almighty walk before me be blameless that I may be that I may make my covenant between me and you and you may multiply you greatly. And Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be named Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. So we see again uh, this, the covenant brought up that he's going to be um, multiplied and that God is reminding him of his covenant with him um, and gives him a new name. Um, and uh, God first identifies who he is. I am God Almighty. Um, he calls Abraham to walk before him to be blameless. And he uh, renames him. What's important about um, God re renaming Abraham? Mm-hmm. Laying the foundation. I mean, the main meaning. Like what father, father of many nations, father of a multitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we'll see uh, later on, we'll come back to this, but um, how how we are given, in, through Christ, we are given a new name as well. Uh, it's a kind of a foreshadowing of that. Um then he goes on, um, I'll establish my covenant in verse 7. I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then... Um, goes on and God said to Abraham as for you you shall keep my covenant you and your offspring after you throughout their generations this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you every male among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins it shall be the sign of the covenant covenant between me and you any and then down to uh, 14 any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskins shall be cut off from his people he has broken my covenant so he establishes a way for his people to be set apart. Um, he's called them to be called Abram out of a land of pagans and now is establishing his promise with him and giving a mark of that covenant, a mark of that promise that sets him and his people apart to and for God. Um, now it should be carried out 
um, throughout the generations. And so it says in verse 22, and he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael's son and those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among them of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. So again, what do we see from Abraham here? Yeah, doesn't hesitate to obey, right? Um, he goes immediately and 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 does what the Lord has asked him to do. So then we come down into verse eighteen or chapter eighteen, and. Um, Abraham is now coming up on 100 years old, and uh, he sees the Lord appear to him by the oaks of Marm. I don't know how to say that word. Mamre. And um, three men appear, and we see that Abraham runs to them. He bows at their feet. He recognizes them. He recognizes the Lord. And again, one of, the, one of the words that stuck out to me in here is just that he ran to them, right? He had, again, no hesitation. He sees them and runs. And he gets there and, um, and he wants to serve them right away. And uh, he says, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there were three men standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to the, meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and that after you may pass on. And so he goes and he has Sarah start to prepare uh, food for them. And, um, and again, he has promised the son. And um, this in verse nine, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening to the tent door. Uh, now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of the women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, I'm, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I, need, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you, but this time next year, <clears throat> about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. She was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh, uh, which I just think is kind of funny. Um, Lord just saying, like, nope, uh, this is what's true. Um, so you see that, again, the Lord brings up to Abraham that I'm going to fulfill this promise, right? And gives him a timeline now. So something to look forward to. Um, but at their old age, it's just hard to believe that. And verse 14, I think, is just such an encouraging verse. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Um, and, uh, and from everything that has happened so far, everything that he's brought Abraham through so far, um, we see this, that it really isn't. And the Lord is sovereign and able to do all things. So then um, they're there, and uh, the men turn there and go towards Sodom, and Abraham stands before the Lord, and we see that Abraham here starts to intercede for those that might be righteous. 
And um, as the Lord sees the evil that's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah and is going to go down and destroy them, and uh, Abraham comes to the Lord and says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And Abraham goes to ask him for even smaller and smaller numbers of righteous people to be seen, uh, to be saved and to, to preserve Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, the Lord continues to say, If I see this many, I will... I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And suppose there are 40. For the sake of 40, I will not do it. And he goes down. And he gets all the way down to for the sake of 20. And to the sake of, for suppose only 10 are found there. And for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham re- returned to his place. So we see here that inter- Abraham is interceding for those who might be righteous um, in who living in Sodom and Gomorrah. We remember that his, his kin, Lot, is there. Um, and so I'm sure that he is concerned for Lot um, down there and seeing that the Lord is, is going to go destroy this place and wants to uh, intercede for Lot and for anyone else who may be righteous there. And the Lord, um, in, in his, in his justness, uh, says that he will preserve those. And so we see that the Lord goes down and um, angels go down to Sodom that evening and they find Lot, and ultimately God destroys Sodom, and uh, but He preserves uh, Lot and uh, and his and his family, and uh, f- in remembrance of Abraham, and He remembers Abraham's intercession for them. Um, from there, um, we continue on. And Abraham journeyed toward the area of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. This is in chapter twenty. Um, Instead of Sarah's wife, she is my sister, again, to Abimelech. And uh, Abimelech basically is like, um, why have you done this to me? You know. Uh, so he said, Abimelech says, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? He did not say himself to me, she is my sister. And she herself said, he is my brother. And the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, and you and all who are yours. And so uh, Abimelech goes to Abraham and uh, is basically like, what did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there's no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindest you must do to me at every place to which we come. Save me, he is my brother. So again, Abraham is afraid of um, that he'll be killed because of uh, his wife and these lands, and um, and again, uh, Abimelech is, uh, is cursed in a sense because of this, um, and his people. And again, Abraham has to become an intercessor for Abimelech, um, to pray for him. And he prays to the Lord and intercedes for Abimelech and his house is healed. And, um, and it says in verse 17, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and the female slaves that they bore children. Um, 
So um, again, we see uh, this happen that um, God provides um, provides a way out for Abraham, but we also see Abraham in this deceit and judgment being brought, um, but then Abraham also being an intercessor for Abimelech here. Um, so I think that we'll see that how that plays a role later on. And then we get the birth of Isaac. So the Lord visits again a year later. Um, and we see the Lord's faithfulness to his promise. And um, she bore, bears a son in, um, in her old age. And um, they call him Isaac, as they are called to do. And again, um, we see that Abraham obeys the Lord in the covenant of circumcision, um, as the Lord instructed him to do um, in and he's now 100 years old. So 100 years old and has his son. The, the promise is, is fulfilled that he will have a son and have offspring. And, um, and then we come to a place where he makes a treaty with Abimelech. Um, and we see how Abraham in this is just acting uh, above reproach. We also see that he just continues to be a sojourner in verse or chapter 21, verse 34, Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. And so he still has not landed in one place. Um, he, is, he is continuing to be a sojourner through the land. And then we get to chapter 22, and we see that God tests Abraham. And so um, it says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham says, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand <coughs> in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when the, they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes up and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. In verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will sure, surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the, that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the, <coughs> possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba.
So. The Lord calls to Abraham, and the Lord responds right away, Here I am. Um, And he tells him to sacrifice his only son. But we see in Genesis 22, 3 through 5, that that Abraham has faith that he's going to return with Isaac. Let's see here. So Abraham, it says, yeah. So Abraham rose early morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to a place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. So he says, we're going to go worship and we will come back. Um, And we see that, um, yeah, he just has this confidence he's going to return. We see his obedience to the Lord here again. We see that um, he's willing to give up what the Lord promised him for so many years that he waited 25 years for. And the Lord all of a sudden says, all right, sacrifice Isaac. And um, he is to be your sacrifice. And I think I was talking with a friend of mine about this passage yesterday and what was going on in Isaac's mind at this moment, right? Like, Dad, what's going on here? Like, we don't have anything. And Dad's holding a knife and a torch, you know? Like, uh, what, what could Isaac have been thinking in this moment? And, um, but you just see, again, this demonstration of Abraham's faith in the Lord that he's going to provide um, and, he, and that God tests him. And um, in that, uh, Abraham obe- is obedient and... Um, and doesn't doesn't falter, right? He he does exactly as the Lord has told him to do. In response to that, the Lord provides and um, again reminds him of uh, of his covenant with him, and um, that he's going to uh, to multiply him. And um, and again, just his faith in verse eight: God will provide for Himself the Lamb, a burnt offering. Excuse me. So, um, come down from there. Um, Abraham's wife dies. Um, here we see Abraham in verse 6 of chapter 23, uh, described as the prince of God. Um, Isaac and Rebekah, we see uh, in chapter 24, we just see the Lord's provision and his sovereignty in finding a wife for Isaac and sending um, Abraham's servant um, to, to get her a wife. Um, and um, we just see that whole all played out and, and how the servant worships the Lord and, um, and says, the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and faithfulness toward my master. Um, and just how, um, see, even Abraham's servant's uh, response was worship. And then we see Abraham dies um, in chapter 25. Right? And he's buried in the same land as Sarah. Um, and um, yeah, and that is the end of his life. And Isaac goes on um, to have, you know, birth of Jacob and Esau. And Jacob uh, goes on to continue on um, in the, the birth of Israel. Um, so that's kind of the timeline. What are some of the things that Abraham's life teaches us about God. Um, I think 
we see that God loves his creation. Um, in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. He gave humanity a way to be reconciled to him through establishing his people, through Abraham, a people of faith, that we, if we have faith, that we could be saved and be reconciled to him. We see that God wants to have a relationship with his people, that we're created in his image, uh, that he was patient with us at the beginning. Right? He wanted to continue to find a way to have a relationship with us. We see that God uses sinners to accomplish his purposes. Abraham was not a true God worshiper, as we see in the early part of Genesis and in the account we get in Joshua that he came from a pagan land. Um, but we see that he responded to God's call for him and and responded in worship to him, leaving his people, leaving everything to follow the Lord by faith uh, and faith alone. We see that God is able to provide when it seems that there is no other way. Um, though Abraham had faith, he and Isaac would come back down the mountain um, in a time where it seemed like there was nothing to be done and there is a certain death of Isaac coming. God calls to Abraham and provides a sacrifice and preserves his promise to him. Um, a foreshadowing of the provision of his only son for us, Jesus, um, to, to pay for our sins and provide us a way uh, to be reconciled to him. We see that God is a God of promises and that he keeps them over and over again. God reminds Abraham of his promises and, that <clears throat> and shows him his sovereignty in those. Even when Abraham doesn't fully um, obey or have faith. Um, when he doubts. We see that God is just um, and that Abraham knows this, right? Abraham calls him out on this um, as, as the Lord is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, asking him to preserve those who are righteous. We see that God has chosen a people to him and for him, and we see that God is sovereign. So how does Abraham point us to Christ? We see that Abraham left his home to receive a promise, but Jesus left his home to become that promise and fulfill that promise for us that we might be reconciled to God. We see that Abraham was given the covenant of circumcision of the flesh, but Jesus gives us a new covenant through him and the circumcision of the heart. We see Abraham as an intercessor or <coughs> in, in the instance of Abimelech and Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that Jesus is the intercessor between us and the Father, and our righteousness is only through him. See, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son in faith to the Lord. We see that Jesus is the lamb that God provided to us as the ultimate sacrifice to become our sin so that we can be reconciled and blameless to the Father through, through faith alone. We see that God renames Abraham as a new man following him under the covenant. Um, he is a friend of God, the one through whom the whole world will be blessed, father of multitudes. And we see that in Christ, in Romans 8, 16 and 17, it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in the order that we may be glorified with him. So we see that in Christ, we are also given a new name under the new covenant, uh, which, is, which is being saved through faith through Christ. So we see that God makes this covenant with Abraham created people of and for himself to be set apart from the rest of humanity to live differently and to live by faith to be reconciled to him ultimately. We see Abraham 
left a pagan life and is called to a new life. We see that he comes out of that pagan life, repents, and is called to a new life of obedience and faith to God. And we see that Abraham was a friend of God and shows us what it means to be set apart and to live faithfully following him. We also see that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Abraham is chosen by God to receive a blessing that would bless him and his descendants. We see that in Genesis 12, 1, 3. However, the fuller expression of God's plan is that he will, it will bless all peoples of the world with his plan of salvation. So he chooses a nation to be elect, not for that nation to bless the world, but with salvation, <coughs> not for that nation, but to bless the world with salvation through Jesus Christ. So we see that God's saving purpose for Israel through the Messiah becomes a saving purpose for the world, for everyone who shares the faith of Abraham. That's Romans 4. Romans 4.13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is if the adherents of the law are to be heirs, faith is null and promised and is void. For the law brings wrath, but there is no law that... but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God, whom he believed, who gives life and death and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So we see that Abraham was blessed so that the rest of us could be blessed through Christ Jesus and take that to the world. And we see God's plan unfolding of back in Genesis when he gave humanity three times to come back to him and three times they failed and he had to establish this plan, which is his plan all along to have Jesus, his only son, be the sacrifice for us to bring us back to him. So practically, what what does this mean for us? Um, First, we're called to repent and enter into a new life. Abraham left everything, his former life, to follow the Lord. We're called to leave everything um, and and to leave our former lives and to follow Jesus. Ephesians 4, 22 Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So we're called to repent and walk into a new life. We're called to obedience by and through faith. Um, Hebrews 11. Where's my time at? Closing in. Just read this quickly. Hebrews 11, 8 through 19. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Different from the city of Babel that was built on men and a name they were trying to make great of themselves. Abraham is looking for the city that has foundation, whose designer is builder is God, and builder is God. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was at past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. 
Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand in the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that there were strangers and exiles on, that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. And it goes on, by faith, by faith. So we're called, we are called friends of God. We're to live like Abraham, to live and believe God's word as Abraham did in faith. Abraham saw from afar Christ and salvation that would be at hand through God's promise to him. And we see that we are all saints who sin. Abraham was not without sin as he followed the Lord, but he was faithful to do what the Lord asked of him and was obedient to it. And we see that we are blessed to be a blessing. Um, the Lord chose the nation to be elect, but not for that nation but to bless the world that would all be reconciled to him. He chooses us as Christians to be elect, to bless the world and let them know who Jesus Christ is. So, any comments, questions? All right. Colossians 1, 13, 14 says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, if there's one thing we can see for certain, it's that in Christ we belong to a loving Father who is sovereign over all things, even from the beginning. Right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for Abraham and choosing him and choosing to bring a people um, of and for yourself, Lord, that we might be reconciled to you through your son. Um, and Lord, just how sweet it is, the plan that you set in motion uh, years and years and years ago um, before time, Lord, and see that your faithfulness to your promises um, and see those come true and Lord, we just thank you and praise you for that. And we ask that we would just uh, walk as your friend, Lord, and that we would walk as Abraham walked in faith. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.